I'm M. Costa, and I'm here alongside my co-hosts, Rob. Hello. And Noah. Hello. <laughs> what? Sustain. That's, that's, that's how I talk. All right, I let's was, do it again. We'll do it again. I was waiting for like an operatic like note to just come off of that. All right. Hello. Say, my, say my name again. Say my name again. All right. All right. Hang on. Okay. <clears throat> and Noah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You give him an inch, he takes a mile. For another episode of Fax Machine, a podcast created by and for people who are curious about everything, but especially the things that make them laugh. I am also here, to my indescribable delight, alongside today's fantastic guest host, who you might know as shark scientist and PhD student studying shark movement ecology at MIT Woods Hole, uh, co-founder of the organization Minorities and Shark Sciences, or MISS, um, an organization dedicated to encouraging women of color to pursue careers in the shark sciences, and organizer of hashtag Black and Marine Science Week on Twitter. But, huh. Even with all of that, you most probably know her as illustrious TikToker Sophistication, whose peppy, hilarious, rapid fire, <laughs> and super informational animal facts videos take all the tenets of exemplary science communication and just knock them out of the park and into the stratosphere. Anyways, <laughs> please join us in welcoming Jada Elcock. Welcome! Hello. Welcome, Jada! Wow, what an incredible introduction. <laughs> I feel so honored. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, an incredible guest merits an incredible introduction. What can I say? Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you. You should get the transcript of what Em said, and then whenever you give a talk, just hand it to them and say, I want you to read this. <laughs> you have to introduce me, otherwise I'm not coming. <laughs> this is a contract stipulation, this must be said. I'm definitely way. imagining, you know, how like boxers walk out with their like whole group of people and they're like wearing like a shiny robe but i'm just imagining m doing this sort of like don king like microphone coming down from the ceiling oh my gosh like, in this corner Ooh. but then everyone screaming in the stands is just the dick Ned group chat yeah, exactly. <laughs> amazing oh man i might request one of those mics next time we're at caveat just to pull that <laughs> yeah. down we can oh. definitely make that happen yeah <laughs> Uh, so Jada, uh, Miss, I was looking at your website earlier today, looks super, super cool. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about what you guys do. Yes. So Miss Minorities and Shark Sciences is an organization, uh, as you so eloquently explained, um, that is dedicated to helping women of color, um, get kind of like a community and get some good experiences in, the field of shark science because it is a very white male dominated field um, as a lot of fields are and I guess the founders uh, were just kind of tired of realizing that we're the only woman in the room or the only person of color in the room or especially the only woman of color in the room and kind of feeling a little bit isolated by that so we started this whole organization June of 2020 um, 
coming up on our anniversary really fast, which is really exciting. Um, and so it's just this thing that we wanted to make sure that other women of color felt like they had a community and we can try to help inspire um, other young girls of color who are potentially interested in shark science as well so that they can see people that look like them in the field and they're like, hey, this is a job that I could do. That sounds so cool. I now have a community because we're here for everyone. So yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been so much fun so far because I've met so many amazing (laughs) women of color um, that are also obsessed with sharks. So you get to nerd out with like-minded people and have a good time. So yeah, it's been a really good time so far. So, so y'all, I saw recently uh, did like uh, something in Florida. Y'all like first, was it called field school or something? Yeah. Tell us about that. It looked amazing. I was just yeah. looking at all these pictures of people like holding sharks with glee in their hearts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just looking so happy. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, this was so exciting. Um, so this was a, a field uh, experience for um, people who probably don't have a lot of experience yet. So we took out some participants, uh, we're partnered with field school. So we took some participants from all over the country out to Florida. And this was a fully funded expedition. Like they didn't have to pay for anything. Um, we brought them out on the boat. We lived on the boat for like two days. And then we went out shark tagging and we taught them how to drum line. We taught them how to long line. And the craziest part to me is we taught them how to long line in the dark because it was a dawn set. So the sun had not come up. It was like five in the morning. Everyone's exhausted and they got it so quickly and we're so good at it. And I was like, you guys are literally amazing scientists. <laughs> First time you've ever done long lining and it's the middle of like, it's so dark outside. They just, they picked up on everything so quickly. And so we got to catch some sharks, um, do a workup, you know, like take blood samples, tag them, take a fin clip, take a biopsy sample so we can get tissues and stuff like that. And I mean, for a lot of them, it was their first time ever seeing a shark in the wild. So they were just so excited. But even with all that excitement, they didn't just freak out and forget everything that we had taught them. They were like, okay, I know exactly what to do. I have this, this fin clip. I'm going to take it and put it in the vial. And what, <laughs> like they knew exactly what to do and they did it with excitement and enthusiasm and they did it so well. And oh my gosh, it was just the most amazing thing ever. And I can't wait for That's next year. so cool. Awesome. Oh my gosh. That is that is so awesome. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and to our listeners, if you would like to support this uh, sort of like this training experience and community building and just shark induced glee, uh, you can do so at uh, misselasmo.org slash donate. So do that. Make this happen. It's so cool. Uh, so Jada will join Rob and Noah in our usual exchange of three facts, followed by a pub-style trivia quiz loosely inspired by this episode's theme. And that theme is teeth. Teeth. <laughs> Hard to imagine how our, uh, how our guest, who is a shark expert... Uh, got us to the theme of teeth. <laughs> it's funny because I'm not even like, as you said earlier, I, I do shark movement ecology is like where my mm. specialties lie. So I'm not necessarily like an expert in shark teeth, but like there's a lot of really cool shark teeth facts out there. So I had to, I had this, I had to go for it. So I'm shark super teeth. excited. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
rather than spew a mouthful of more or less K9 to 10, not incisive dental puns, <laughs> I'll exercise some wisdom um, and instead not bite off more than I can chew and pry this already wobbly intro for my chattering jaws and hand the <laughs> mic over to Rob, whose fact will undoubtedly give us something worth gnawing on. Oh my god, uh, there was so many puns good. all at once, it was hard for me to like keep up with what was going on. <laughs> that was amazing. Just keep swimming. <laughs> there we go. That's great. All right. All right. This week, I learned the hardest thing you can do is enamel. Oh. Yeah. And I get yeah. it. Nice. <laughs> Assuming you're, when your body makes something, it does that. So that's, ah, that's, that's okay. the conceit there. Yeah. But so enamel huh. is the hardest substance in the human body, um, which I think is really Whoa. cool because I, um, as has been brought up, uh, like bones, I, I enjoy the field of osteology and orthopedics and, you know, bone stuff. And I think a lot of people <laughs> consider bones pretty, they're pretty hard. Like they're, they're a tough substance in a mechanical sense. And like, so, you know, I have a predisposition to really like bones. Um, and I really want to drive the point home that teeth are not bones. Um, and that is a, mm. a very important distinction for me to make. Heard it here um, first. <laughs> yeah. And I will fight you. Teeth, teeth are <laughs> oh. harder than bones. I think that teeth. that's an important point to make, especially because then it just amplifies the fact that sharks don't have bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, perfect. Yeah. Because, true. and so many students, and I work with young kids, and I also have a, a shark jaw <laughs> that is like a really great prop for classes. Um, but like... <laughs> But so we're like, oh yeah, like a lot of, and we talk about invertebrates all the time. So we're like, oh, name an animal that doesn't have bones. And kids are like, sharks, so they're invertebrates, but they have teeth. And I'm like, oh, there's so much, so much to react to in that sentence. <laughs> it hurt every part of that which, hurt. Yeah. Which, which thing that my student said should I shame first? <laughs> Science educator Rob Frawley. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, actually, sharks are chordates, and uh, that's quite important. <laughs> but, but no, so I want to definitely draw the distinction between bones and teeth. And there's actually, like, so the way that I think about it, and the way that I've explained it in the past, is bones have this incredible ability to regenerate, which teeth do not. Um, and for most species, teeth have this incredible ability to just fall out, which bones do not. Um, and that's kind of like... Those are the two sides of it for me. And I think that really neatly summarizes it in most ways. So if you chip a tooth, you don't just wait for it to grow back. It, that's over. You put some, put some tooth cement on it. Um, <laughs> what I think like I've always known but never really thought about until researching for this fact is that teeth can demineralize and remineralize to a degree. And so that's something that I want to really uh, sink my teeth into in uh, this fact there we go <laughs> yeah so so before you get started when you said demineralize and remineralize is that special um <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> like what is it like what does that mean so were you contrasting them with bones like what does that mean sort of like yeah. you were like i didn't realize before that they do this that makes them more like bones or this is an additional property that makes them even less like bones yeah it's i would say it's something that makes them more like bones in that they are a living mineralized tissue um I see. it and so i think we're all familiar with bone if you break a bone 
uh, it sets, a callus forms, and then these amazing cells, osteoblasts go and they lay down new bone, osteoclasts roll in and they kind of resurface it. And at the end, you have essentially the bone you started with, but just all new mineral kind of in, in the fracture space. Uh, if this happens at a juncture of your life where you're growing, you may actually have, like it slows down the growth or it stunts the growth. And so you may, you know, if you do this in adolescence, you may have a shorter long limb on one side because of a fracture, but otherwise mm -hmm. there's really no, um, there's no functional difference to the new bone than to the previous bone. Um, you can kind of see uh, like historical remnants. So in fossils, we can tell if someone broke a bone and it healed because it leaves a slightly different mineral pattern in, in the places it integrates. But this is something bones do. And like we said, teeth don't. Um, but teeth do get mineral back. And I think there's this idea that you can, you know, if you have bad dental hygiene or weak teeth, um, you can change your diet and, you know, fluoridate and do all these things and actually make your teeth stronger, which I've always mm. kind of never thought about, I guess, but it's actually really true. Um, and so I want to just, I want to walk you through the magical world of tooth formation and how we get enamel. And so, um, so there's a, a few proteins that make up teeth. Like any mineralized tissue is proteins and what we call matrix or the, the crystal, the hard part. Um, bones have a, a kind of nice, but there's a lot of collagen in bones. There's a lot of empty space in bones. And then there's a lot of matrix, the mineral that makes it hard. Teeth are 4% protein. Um, and one of the big proteins is enamelin. There's another one called tuftalin. I bring it up because I think it's a funny name. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> tuftalin. Yeah, it's so fun to say. It's it's not nearly as important or consequential to this story, but I thought it was worth including, and that's that's it. Good call. So, and then there's like so so it's four it's what is it four percent protein? But like mm -hmm. so is that like among macromolecules? It's like what are the so it's very little protein. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So what are the other macromolecules in, it is, in teeth? It is mostly uh, a, a matrix. Uh, it's, it's mostly hydroxyapatite, which is basically, basically a, a form of calcium phosphate. And okay. it, like, it's really just yeah. calcium phosphate. And the, the way you arrange your calcium phosphate is very important for the product you get. So you can get calcium phosphate arranged like bone. You can get it arranged more like enamel. You can get it arranged more like other um, elements of teeth that are not enamel. Um, you can get it to be, I mean, pretty similar to things like eggshell or clamshell or like a lot of those things have calcium phosphate in them. So the arrangement is super important on a, on a mineral level. Um, what's kind of crazy is the way that your, your enamel forms. So there are these cells called ameloblasts or uh, ameloblasts. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And that's the amyl is from enamel. And so that's an old English root. And I really tried to find a cool. <laughs> Did you get an old English root canal? I literally was. Oh my gosh! I'm just proud of myself for being on the same wavelength as you because I had that, and I was like, nice. "Nice, okay, cool, that was great." <laughs> oh, excellent! <laughs> but yeah, I was hoping to find like a cool word origin story, but it literally is just like the old English word for the enamel of the tooth. So yeah, I guess pretty pretty functional and important word. Um, but the ameloblast. One ameloblast cell sort of acts like one osteoblast, and the osteoblast is the cell in the bone that lays down new mineral. But the way an ameloblast works is it essentially builds a column from the from the base up of densely packed matrix material, and then next to it another ameloblast will lay another 
column. And they're these tightly spaced columns that have a little bit of space in between them, which actually gives them a little bit of uh, flexibility, not, not really any great amount, but a statistically important amount, I guess. And, and there's somewhere there's some dentist listening, being like, that's so wrong. Like this is, uh, I'm afraid, very simplified and not quite quite perfect. But <laughs> I just want to interject that there's a type of column called the Tuscan, uh, which is a, a tusk is a type of tooth. Uh, mm. There you so. go. <laughs> there's, there's also a, a type of column that's called ionic, and there are definitely calcium yeah. and phosphate in here. So oh. uh, there we go. <laughs> but so all these rods are laid like parallel to one another, and they kind of create... Um, the, the macro structure. And then uh, what's really cool about the way that any mineralized tissue forms is that the mineral like works its way into the, the form. But so there's like a, usually the protein makes the scaffold. And this is what I think is the cool part is you can lose a lot of the mineral that make up these columns that are between the proteins and then you can get it back. Like if you have like dietary insufficiencies, you would lose a lot of those minerals. They'll actually be leached out potentially to go to other places in your body that needs calcium at the moment. But then if you, if you keep good dental hygiene and then kind of restore your body's calcium levels, like potentially it could fully remineralize. Uh, and really the tipping point is when you start to lose the matrix, when you start to break down the scaffold. And the thing that does that is bacteria that live on your teeth that will eat away at everything indiscriminately and cause a cavity. I will say the idea of your teeth as sort of like mineral reservoirs is kind of crazy to me. It's just kind of like as a last resort, you can just dip into your teeth and <laughs> harvest some calcium. So it's, it, you're, I mean, your bones go first and your bones are just much more accessible on a biochemical mm -hmm. level. They're like sort of, you know. In, inside <laughs> so they're a little bit yeah. easier to, to steal from very scientific yeah <laughs> and as you'll probably agree they're dispensable because they're not all that important right yes yeah. St stupid useless bones <laughs> <laughs> who needs them <laughs> yeah sharks don't that's who yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but so something that I, I do think is really interesting is a lot of energy goes into making all of these things right like making a, a mineral is really hard and we, we talked a few episodes ago now uh, with our friend Anthony about narwhal teeth, which take mm -hmm. an insane amount of energy to make this huge tooth. Um, and it's like, it's crazy to make something that's just gonna fall out. Like like the the energy expense, and I don't, I don't think Jada will talk more about this later, for an animal that loses teeth a lot, like if you're going through, you know, more than your 16 teeth, like that's crazy. Like for, for humans to have two sets of teeth yeah. is like a significant energy expenditure. Yeah, sharks. We'll get into that, but good lord, their tooth replacement is just <laughs> ungodly. Like, why? I mean, I get why, but like, oh my lord, it's yeah, no, it's a lot. We'll we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think this is kind of the most PSA thing I've ever said, but it's super important to floss. It's super important to remove bacteria from between your teeth that will eat away at the enamel because enamel itself, once you lose that matrix, really doesn't come back. And you can get, there are all kinds of treatments now they can do that lay down like kind of fake enamel or new like synthetic enamel. You can top your teeth and get hydroxyapatite coatings and like a lot of things that can actually extend your tooth life really nicely. Uh, but at the end of the day, it really is up to you to maintain your teeth. And for anyone considering um, taking care of teeth, I'd like to say, if your destiny is dentistry, then don't lose that de density. Oh. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> 
I love how like you <laughs> messed up a little bit of the way through that, but it didn't put a dent in your confidence. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna scream. That was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh um, I don't think there's wow. ever going to be a better time for me to say this, but how do you, <laughs> how do you, con- this is so stupid. Sorry. How do you calculate the concentration of teeth in your mouth? Molars per eater. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Never oh mind. Wow. <laughs> oh, I, I'm All trying right. to think of a response and I can't even like categorize to like be like, <laughs> so do I do a, a stoichiometry <laughs> pun? Like, where where do I go from there? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, boy. All right. Very nice. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes I, just, sometimes, I, <laughs> sometimes I just need to get those out. All Rob, right. are you done? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> This week, I learned that archaeologists named the remains of a 9,000-year-old Bulgarian woman, Julia Roberts, due to what they described as her, quote, perfect set of teeth. Huh. I feel like that's creepy, but okay. Yeah. Oh, oh it's, it's weird. And let me tell you, because I'll, I'll explain to you a bit more, but this is not an uncommon thing to say about people's remains, uh, as I've discovered. <laughs> so... Basically, so just to tell you a little bit about Julia Roberts, um, these remain her remains Which one? were found. Yeah, <laughs> Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts is a nine thousand year old Bulgarian woman, as we all know, um, and her remains were found in the Vrasa district of northwest Bulgaria, which has been apparently like a hot spot for ancient, like superlative skeletons, uh, including several three thousand year old skeletons of people who were over six foot six. Which is an extraordinary height for the oh time. My God. It's, an ex- it's an extraordinary height today. Say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's that's not super common oh. today either. <laughs> right. So it's like incredible. This is three thousand years ago. Just um, when giants washed the earth. <laughs> <laughs> alongside, it had to be that tall to ride dinosaurs. Ah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> just somewhere, somewhere, Dustin Groick is just He's screaming. <laughs> yep. Doesn't even know why. <laughs> Oh my no, God. Something's they, very wrong. They were in that Bible story too of uh, David and Julia Roberts, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah. So, I mean, basically this region has uh, been somewhat of a, as I said, a hot, hot bed of like these ancient uh, human remains that have been found. Um, this is sort of like sort of north of Greece, kind of in an area that we would have in ancient times associate with Thrace. Then Thracians were mentioned uh, in, in um, like the Iliad being like incredible horse tamers. And they were involved, according to the Iliad, in the battle at Troy. Um, so it's kind of people are kind of interested because it's it's cool historically, but also because it sort of ties into some, you know, cool classical literature that they can learn more about the people who um, were even at that time considered to be quite ancient. So, I mean, yeah. we're you know, Homer, we're, we're talking like 800 B.C., but like, yeah, 6,200 years before that would get roughly to like 9,000 years old. Um, so at like 
9,000 years ago, Julia Roberts, uh, and by this, of course, I mean the the remains of Julia Roberts, <laughs> just to clear up any you know issues with understanding who I'm talking about, the remains of Julia Roberts are thought to belong to like the first agricultural civilization in that region. So like oh. incredibly ancient, important time point in the study of Mediterranean civilization and the, the time course of how people moved into different areas of the world. Yeah. But for like, all the interesting features of this discovery, such as uh, Julia Roberts uh, being, and I mean Julia Roberts, by the way, uh, the remains, obviously, not that, not the actress. Um, just in case you're unclear at any point, I just we, need to clarify. We need a way. This is so confusing. <laughs> Julia Roberts was found alongside charred wheat grains, cattle bones, and flint tools. And just to clarify, I do mean the actress. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You said that there was a heap of stuff next to the remains? Yeah. You know what they call that? It's the Mona Lisa pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, or the Notting Hill. Like, yeah. <laughs> ah, yes! <laughs> I, all right, this is going to be bad, but it's just, it just needs to be like exercise for me at this point. Less pretty woman, more gritty woman. Oh my god! Doesn't this work. <laughs> We're gonna go with it. All right, keep That's moving. Good. You guys are really good at these. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Julia Roberts, the remains. Okay, uh, were found uh, alongside this this uh, what was referred to as a domicile, which contained both above ground and like a subterranean living area, like sort of like a cellar that um, that somehow they were able to, in the in the cool way that archaeologists can determine that the group that lived in this home split time between like living sort of at a first floor and living in an underground way, uh, and trying to figure out like why would they have done that? It's not like there were some. I mean, were there some ridiculous like? tornadoes tearing through you know like macedonia and thrace we don't we don't know really there are the, all these little things that archaeologists do you know the cool ways that they've established in their field to uncover information about ancient diet and rituals and social organization and technological capability and all anybody wants to talk about in the articles about this is how nice julia roberts <laughs> teeth are because like, according to Dr. Georgi Genetsovsky, director of the prehistory department of the Varaka District Museum, quote, she was a rare beauty and could have competed with today's Hollywood stars for her perfect set of teeth. She is a Stone Age Julia Roberts. She would have had a perfect smile. It really is a puzzle. <laughs> Which is just what a so creep. weird. Like that was super. All of Ew. that was really creepy the, for sure. The, the thing is, the thing is, though, I did a little digging, you know, so to speak. Uh, um, and there are there are so many examples of ancient humans being described as having perfect teeth. Like, let me, I'm just, just to run through some examples, a study of 30 bodies exhumed from the ash in Pompeii using like, uh, and studied using CAT scans were described by the researchers and in every subsequent news article as having perfect teeth. A Russian farmer found a 2000 year old skeleton that was described as having quote, perfect teeth. And also in Russia, a similarly ancient skeleton belonging to a woman who apparently had quote, unusually pristine teeth. <laughs> um, a, another one, a bronze age woman in Bahrain was discovered to have quote nearly perfect teeth with just one cavity 
Um, and, and then one of my favorites, like, um, and definitely the most effusive, a report of a Bronze Age man found in the UK that, according to University of Derby uh, forensic scientist Sarita Nezarovich, had a, quote, perfect smile, was a, quote, catch for the ladies, and, quote, his teeth seem absolutely beautiful, and also, quote, he has better teeth than most people wow. nowadays. Huh. But perhaps surprisingly, the fact is that among the remains of ancient people, perfect teeth are actually not all that rare. So uh, Janet Monge, who is the curator of the physical anthropology section at the Penn Museum, has been studying this and observed that, uh, this is another quote, it's like the upper jaw, the maxilla, and the lower jaw, the mandible, are actually kind of perfectly in unity with each other. And the interesting thing is that was everybody in human history. Another uh, quote about this is evolutionary biologist Daniel Lieberman notes this pattern in his book, The Story of the Human Body, when he says, the museum I work at has thousands of ancient skulls from all over the world. Most of the skulls from the last few hundred years are a dentist's <laughs> nightmare. They are filled with cavities and infections. The teeth are crowded into the jaw, and about one quarter of them have impacted teeth. In contrast, most of the hunter-gatherers had nearly perfect dental health. So the question is, like, what went wrong? Why are the teeth of people who live today so much more likely to be crooked, say, than those of ancient people? Uh, with a study in 1998 finding that a fifth of the U.S. population has significant malocclusion, which is the science-y name for, like, misaligned teeth, literally translating to bad bite. I'm just processing all of this because I want to know what happened because all these people ba way back then had, like, perfect teeth but I had to go through three and a half years of braces and now I have to wear a retainer for the rest of my life. Same. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not, Same. I'm angry yeah. about I it. I know. <laughs> me too. Yeah, it's trash. I mean. <laughs> I <laughs> Honestly, send it back. I am short for adult teeth because they couldn't all fit in my mouth. Like, <laughs> it's just like, this is, this is not, this math does not work out, but he's just got to go. Oh my gosh. So yeah, when I was like in high school, I had four of the, I think they're like hemi or semi-molars, but like the molars towards the front, um, like one from each corner of my jaw just like removed. And for a solid like year or two, I just had like a hole in the back of my mouth so that when I smiled like really wide, you could just see through my mouth from one side out the other and it was lit. <laughs> that was the only awesome. reason it was worth it. Did you ever have a friend like hide really far away so that they could like see their face in the hole? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying, you As would in, like, smile. like look through it? It would, be a, it would be a picture in profile with you smiling really Oh big. my God. And then, oh. <laughs> and then they would... It would be okay. in the back. You know how like sometimes <gasps> they do those pictures with like, like they're holding, holding a friend on their hand. Yeah. Or like, or like yes. the leading tower of Pisa. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Now I got to lose four more teeth just to do that. <laughs> That's the kind Worth of commitment that I love about pen. you. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I had holes in my face too, because my canines were growing in wrong. My adult canines at the top. Ooh. So I had to get my canines pulled root and all not even close to wanting to oh, come out wow. and then i just oh, had yikes. gigantic oh, no. holes in my face for a year and a half <laughs> so i think two years of my uh yearbook photos in like not even like early middle school i'm pretty sure this was like eighth grade or something where i just mm. look like a crazy person because i just have <laughs> very prominent front teeth missing <laughs> just anti-face yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason we know you're not a vampire yeah. yep yeah. they just weren't there for a very long time yeah. <laughs> i um and and one of the many things i have in common with cheryl crow 
Um, <laughs> Cheryl Crow uh, had her uh, front teeth like knocked out by a, a waitress with a beer mug. Um, oh, now, wow. I didn't have my front teeth knocked out by a waitress with a beer mug, but I did have uh, one of my front teeth chipped by a friend who was throwing a glass of water in my face in a water fight. <laughs> and, and she didn't realize that I had snuck up on her. <laughs> With a glass of water, and she just turned around and like uppercut me in the tooth with a glass. Oh no! <laughs> that's that's bad. Yeah. Um. So what? anyway, Cheryl Crow and I have a support group. Oh. Can my dad join because he also knocked out both of his two top front teeth? One with a, absolutely. I think maybe these are wrong, but one with a golf ball and the other with a skateboard. Wow. Um, Yikes. Wait, so two separate incidents <laughs> yes. for each tooth? So that's so sad. Two. There's two there's two phases of life where you knock your front teeth out with a skateboard and then when you're old and a sell out you, you knock yeah, them out with a I golf don't know. ball. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I I'm super I'll knock wood, have not had any besides losing all my wisdom teeth, like which has to happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. No big problems, but this is my tooth losing story. A friend of mine I won't identify was in the weight room for college athletics one time. And someone was like, you ready? To, and this is the most meathead thing I've ever been around. But one guy's like, <laughs> you ready to do these weights? And he's like, I eat weights like this for breakfast. And then oh, pretended, oh. pretended. That was real? That, that was a real exchange between two humans. And then as a joke, <laughs> like pretended to bite a 45 pound oh. plate and chipped his tooth. I <laughs> Look, this may be controversial, but he deserved to chip his tooth for that interaction. Yeah. He, <laughs> he agreed instantly. Yeah. Because like they were, they were both putting it on because neither one of them are oh really that dumb. I see. I, but I get they it. Okay. acted a little too good They were at just it. pretending. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Okay. That's really funny. Yeah. Oh my so God. It was a good learning moment for everyone. So if, uh, <laughs> if they... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if they were making fun of people, they imagined would be like that, and then he broke his tooth. Is that a chip off the old mock? Ooh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay, all right. So, <laughs> okay, but just getting back to this like issue of like, why is it that modern humans have so much more issue with? like teeth crowding and like sort of orientation of their teeth in their mouth um, than it seems like we were ever supposed to. So a few possibilities have been proposed ranging from like our modern diet, uh, which is full of softer foods and possibly the onset of the industrial revolution, you know, eventually resulting in shorter breastfeeding times. There's a whole lot of suggestions, Um, but whatever the cause or causes, the result has been a smaller human mouth with the same number of teeth. Um, which results in crowding. And it would be great if that was just a cosmetic thing that we could write off. But as it turns out, crowded teeth can be harder to brush, which means that like certain parts of, of your teeth get cleaned less. And that can provide a home for bacteria, which in addition to causing tooth decay, uh, have a, a pretty clear relationship with cardiovascular health. Um, and so it turns out that uh, we would do well to be a lot more like Julia Roberts. And here I mean both the actress and the remains of the 9,000 year old human uh, in, in taking care of our smile. Yeah. I like that we came full circle and included them both of these yeah. again. That was <laughs> good. Re- reunited.
I have decided that sharks are a dentist's nightmare, but a scientist's dream. Ooh, and nice. I, I say dentist's nightmare because, I mean, maybe it's their dream as well, depending on, you know, <laughs> if you don't like the work, definitely not your thing. But you might be able to get a profit <laughs> off them, you know? So, like, sharks have first of all so many teeth like in their mouths so many teeth so we talked a little bit about tooth replacement earlier um shark tooth replacement rate uh varies by species we're pretty sure but they can go through between 20 to 40,000 teeth in a lifetime wow i was so not they, expecting the thousand <laughs> yeah so it's just their their teeth are on like we've all kind of heard about this before on a conveyor belt where they're just kind of like form they pop up they move forward they fall out and mm. it just continues doing that throughout their entire lives um and teeth can fall out just because they've reached the end of the line and they fall out or they can break off into a prey item or whatever else so they lose their teeth constantly non-stop um, and that's why there's so many teeth in the fossil record, which is, mm. I mean, we talked also about how sharks don't have bones. Their skeleton is made out of cartilage, which doesn't fossilize well. So a ton of what we know about sharks is based on their teeth mm. because that's what we find most often in the fossil record. Mm. And I have some teeth over here as well on the oh, side. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I, no one can see this, but this that's one's my fine. favorite. This one's fossilized. Whoa. I have no idea what it comes from, but it's huge and i love it and then i've got a bunch of other smaller ones from yeah. uh the white ones from the aquarium that i worked very at, cool oh, nice. but, and listen so, if you're listening to this on the podcast <laughs> and you're really jealous because you should be those were very very cool you can go over to twitter or tiktok at so fish uh, and you can see pictures Jada has posted or really cool videos about it. Um, but in the meantime, yeah. um, you'll just have to be jealous of our experience. <laughs> <laughs> so par for the course. Yeah. So these, uh, these shark teeth, they um, are replacing them constantly, but also the, the shape of them. If you've ever seen, you know, different shark teeth, you can tell they differ by species and it can tell you a lot about what, they eat so that's what i mean by like a scientist's dream like we know so much about sharks based on their teeth so mm -hmm. if you see a shark tooth with a lot of serrations on the sides um that's probably for like shredding and tearing flesh so like the great white shark eats marine mammals uh at least when they're older they eat marine mammals you probably need kind of like a steak knife to get through some of that blubber so that's mm -hmm. a really good thing to have is those serrations um also the tiger shark is pretty known for eating sea turtles from time mm -hmm. to time going to take a lot to get through that shell so you need those serrations um but then you have sharks like the horn shark that have like kind of more rounded teeth uh at least on the sides um uh, they're they have different teeth shapes throughout their mouth um and some species have this um but the horn shark eats like shelled invertebrates so like crabs mm. and urchins and stuff so it's teeth are more made for crushing and things like that so oh, okay. there's piercing there's shredding there's crushing all kinds of different teeth so, so depending like on is there like a, you know, like the, whatever, the Galapagos, like, finches for, mm. for Darwin? Is there like yeah. a that in sharks? Like a speciation. I guess too. that's a really weird way to think about it. But I, I would kind of think of those as pretty similar. Like, depending yeah. on what it eats, it's going to yeah. have to have, like, a different shape. That's yeah. really cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a connection. I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. Fax hey. machine. I love that. <laughs> No, I, that was really cool. I love that. I can't help now picturing a shark with a really long nose that would eat a flower, like nectar. <laughs> but like, I know that's not what it is. Like a but I can't. <laughs> like 
a goblin shark and its nose just like goes into a flower yeah. and that's, that's what it uses it for. Oh, that'd be so uh, funny. Someone I'm could just, draw this. I would be <laughs> I'm just yeah. imagining like I'm just imagining a great white stork. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't like that image at all. I would love if, yeah, someone needs to draw this. That would I, be the best thing I ever. actually would. I mean, can you imagine? Like, it would be incredible if there was, like, a society where they're sort of, like, the thing they told kids about where babies came from was that, like, it was delivered by a great white shark. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I can't even imagine how that would work, but I need to think of how that would work so that I can start using that. Yes. Pop it in the water and like spit it out and go back down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love this. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to make that shift just so I can make fun of Dustin and like, yes, make the shift from dinosaurs to sharks because sharks are obviously better. They deliver babies. Everyone knows. Exactly. (laughs) Just, Just two different kinds of breach. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was really good. Oh, I'm so angry at that joke. It was so good. <laughs> um, you know, sharks. What they prefer for birth though is a C section. Yeah, uh, I like it. Okay. I liked it. It was good. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was good. Um, well, that's okay. uh, you know, that's how we get baby sharks. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> my nephew's favorite song. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, my nephew's three. I he knows all the dance moves to that song, and he has for like the last year. It's incredible. Are, um, are the dance moves okay. anatomically accurate? In terms, no, <laughs> they're not. Hold on. So, <laughs> sorry. Well, I, I understand that that question there. wasn't serious. <laughs> the thing spot. that gets me the most. Wow, I can't believe thing... you just asked her that. <laughs> obviously very upsetting <laughs> the thing that gets me the most is like it's mommy shark and then daddy shark is the big one but for most shark spe- species the female is larger than the male so mm. yes i that's the one thing people <laughs> are like ah mommy shark daddy shark and i'm like no that's wrong i don't like it you, you go gil <laughs> Yeah, I know that that question wasn't as serious as I just took it, but like, wow. Oh, that's, that's totally what I wanted, though. That's no. great. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that was such an aggressive like, reaction that I didn't even think was going to come out of me. <laughs> so, yeah, we know a lot about sharks based on their teeth, but also based on their skin teeth, which Ooh. sounds great. So... Shark skin is made out of what's called dermal denticles, which are Hmm. basically teeth scales. Right. They're so wild to look at. They're definitely (laughs) scanning electron microscope images of dermal denticles all over the place on the internet. So 10 out of 10 recommend looking those up because it looks really, really cool. Um, But basically, these dermal denticles help to reduce drag when the shark is swimming. Mm. And so the Olympics have started using that concept to make more efficient swimsuits for Olympic swimmers. Oh, wow. How cool is that, right? I I want a shark skin swimsuit. Michael Phelps was in a 2006 issue of National Geographic wearing such a a swimsuit. And you're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Didn't Michael Phelps, wasn't Michael Phelps supposed to like race? a great white shark yeah, yeah. I, I i remember that episode of whatever it was, it was, on it was, shark, it was like shark week like yeah. versus wild i think right because like justin like gatlin yeah. raced as a zebra or something like it was like ridiculous man versus animal like yeah yeah, yeah. it was and it, like 
I remember going to school the next day after seeing that and everyone was like, they didn't actually put Michael Phelps in the water with a shark. And I was like, why on God's green earth would they do that? The whole reason they watched the most valuable swimmer. No. People were really disappointed. So it was an hour long special too. And like it ended with essentially a CGI race. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. The other thing was like when I, I did like, I was like, okay, this is not going to happen, but I did watch it just to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but like, but also, you know, when I was thinking about it after, like, if you were to do that, like, what would be the shark's motivation to swim in a straight line as fast as possible in the way that Michael Phelps would? And it makes me think that like, they should do different events, like based on what each like sort of, you know, species, human versus great white shark, it can be motivated to do. So maybe like, you know, Michael Phelps, could you know let's just say swim real fast to get a time in a way that a shark couldn't appreciate but then for the shark event michael phelps would have to eat a seal really fast oh god (laughs) what a horrifying image i don't like that at all fair is fair you know no no he just has to eat like a subway sandwich that's the equivalent of a seal as fast as he can there you go. they both probably eat eight thousand calories in a city yeah, so like crazy. oh my gosh um so these dermal denticles well first of all i just have to share this quick little fact that apparently um whale sharks this is a discovery as of last year whale sharks have um dermal denticles on their eyeballs and they're shaped they're a little different than the dermal denticles that are on the rest of their body but they have them and because this is such a recent discovery we're still trying to figure out like what exactly is the deal with that but it makes me wildly uncomfortable and i absolutely (laughs) love it so that's my fun my my gross fun fact about it's like dermal it's like on the sclera though like on what they see through is a denticle it's on like like the peripheral part of the eyeball so like not where like the pupil would be you know but mm. like oh my god it's so weird i don't know look up pictures of that as well Jeez. <laughs> there's That's so, so many interesting. possibilities yeah i'm excited to see like what comes of that research in mm. the yeah. future i hope i hope you'll keep us updated <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yes please come back in dermal denticles can apparently also be used to reconstruct uh community structures of sharks Ooh. in the past and now oh, wow. which is wow. something that i learned recently um, so there's this paper that I was reading, Dylan et al. 2017, called Dermal Denticles as a Tool to Reconstruct Shark Communities. Um, and basically, they uh, explain how like dermal denticles vary among an individual shark, like along different parts of their body, but they also like in like shape and size vary based on species. And different shark families can be identified based on dermal denticles that you see. And typically, okay. it's harder to find like more fine resolution than families. Like it's harder to go more specifically and be like, this is a great white shark. But um, knowing the family can give you a lot of information about like what's going on in the environment anyway. So basically they found um, dermal denticles in like the fossil record or just like in the reef environment. And they kind of can go back through and look at that and determine like what kind of sharks were in the area um, during certain times. And even now some forms of uh like reporting sharks in an area or determining shark uh like community structures in an area aren't 100 percent accurate because there are a lot of places where maybe shark sightings are rare but that doesn't mean that they're not there you know right. so okay. using this like dermal denticles as a way to determine like what 
the population abundance is or what the community structure is like in sharks in a specific area I think could be super useful and this is just like the coolest thing to me that like not only do sharks have teeth for skin but you can use their teeth skin to determine who is where and when they were there and what friends were they hanging out with and whatnot I just like this is the coolest weirdest thing and like sharks are so weird and have such weird adaptations that we can use to figure out what the heck is so weird about you guys and that sounds like it really applies to what you're interested in too in terms of like using that to kind of maybe track their migration like as you were just saying like where they were when and with whom yeah honestly I didn't really think about that but that's definitely something that could be used for um like ecology and movement ecology and stuff like that or like maybe we didn't think a shark was in a certain area but we're finding denticles of like that family so Mm -hmm. maybe they go there more often than we think or maybe they were there in the past but they're not there now so what's going on with that um wow there's so many (laughs) possibilities wow okay so we'll we'll actually we'll delay this episode until you get the chance to publish on that Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah sure it'll be delayed for quite a long time (laughs) i also i want to point out that the title even though you've done an excellent job explaining it the title really makes it sound reconstructing shark communities sounds like a group of sharks that was like ravaged by orcas and like has come together over a common denticle and they like, you know, they kind of see themselves in each other and now they have this support network of like, now they're a support group yeah. for each other. Aww. Oh, that's Just so precious. Sharks going was... therapy. I love it. Well, <laughs> sh- a, sh- a shark group uh, therapy is what happens in finding Nemo for their, uh, that's true. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's exactly whatever what it is. whatever the opposite of pescatarianism is. <laughs> Fish are friends, not food. So, what would they eat in like what would they eat invertebrates then? Kelp. I don't know. Those are not the Oh, fun fact, there is actually an omnivorous shark. Um, Whoa, really? This is yeah, the bonnethead shark regularly like eats and digests and gets nutrients from seagrasses oh, as wow. well as animal matter. But like this is the only shark that we know of that does this. And like, why? What are you? Who are you? Why are you like this? <laughs> What's your story? <laughs> um, the, uh, the I always uh, like the fact about cookie cutter sharks that they like take bites out of submarines and like undersea cables and stuff. So I don't They're know what so if that funny. qualifies for like vegetarian or <laughs> kind of the was... goat shark. <laughs> exactly. Do they leave them like their bites in like very like festive little shapes? Like why are they cookie cutter? Yeah, sharks? exactly. Yeah. Oh, because like I mean they make like this perfect circle shape. Oh, cool. And if you've ever seen like a cookie cutter shark bite on like whales or dolphins, seals, or like yeah, honestly, swordfish, you have like of, big yeah. chunks out of them. Yeah, wow. it's like this perfect circle. And a few people have been bitten by them as well and have like mm. this chunk taken out of like their leg because they're deep sea organisms wow. so like most deep sea organisms they come up to the surface at night yeah. but some people like to go try to do their distance swimming at night in the ocean i wouldn't recommend it mm-hmm. but i mean to each their own i've seen these pictures of them on people and i'm like that looks so painful but oh. i mean it's also really interesting just like the way that they do it they have like these big fleshy lips that just like suction onto an animal and then their jaw just like scoops yeah. <laughs> and that's how they eat and so it's like yeah. a melon baller like that's what i'm picking yeah! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a melon baller wow that's so cute it's a living melon baller but it's like it's so funny because like i've talked to people that didn't know that that was even like 
a real shark? And I'm like, yeah, it's the cookie cutter shark. <laughs> it's so, they're so cute though. And like so little. Wow. Oh my God. I can't get over them. They're so funny. <laughs> so many. And then there's like, um, you've got like the basking shark and the whale shark who are filter feeders. So mm. their teeth are obviously right. super different. They're like way smaller. It's like super reduced. Um, because they don't really need them. I was reading recently about um, how in like the sort of transition from toothed whales to like baleen whales, at some point, the baleen whales lost sort of what we think of as teeth. But there are even some, I don't want to say like transition whales, but they're like some whales that in development have teeth, but they don't have enamel. Uh, and it's like they lose, they, they're baleen whales, but they sort of like in development, they have teeth, but not like full teeth sort of along the way they they hadn't got around to like kicking up the teeth genes yet but they had gotten rid of whatever the enamel genes are um which is kind of cool i don't know why but the image of a tooth without enamel is like terrifying because i this is <laughs> I a correct like... i know that the, the image in my head is wrong like straight up incorrect but just like this like <laughs> this like throbbing entity that should be a tooth but like isn't <laughs> I don't know why that's what's in my head. Uh, now in mine, thanks. I, I don't know why you introduced the concept of throbbing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was like the the like blood flowers. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Mm. I'm I'm aware that it's wrong. But... I don't know if the enamel holds in blood. I don't think that's the. No, that's the inside of the tooth is fighting to get out, and the enamel just keeps it in place. I don't think I know enough about teeth. Um, <laughs> that's fine. That's why we're I here. A lot from this episode already just like listening to rob talk about teeth and then listening to noah talk about how julia roberts yeah <laughs> roberts and all the other dead humans have like weirdly perfect teeth I'm like yeah i've learned so much yet Man. another reason to be jealous of dead humans uh, that's oh, dark God. <laughs> that was so incredibly sad <laughs> wow because global warming's not their problem <laughs> oh no! Oh my God! They also I'm didn't so have to live sorry. through the Trump presidency. Yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah, it's fine. And a wow. piece of space junk like just landing somewhere on the planet in the next. Oh yeah, is that so excited to get more updates? <laughs> Has That's this... supposed to happen? I'm not sure. Dip on it in a, in a bit, actually, but it should it's be supposed soon. to happen somewhere between like 11:30 p.m. Eastern time, give or take two okay. hours. I'm okay. staying up. Yeah, two two hours. Let's. It has no chance of hitting me, so I, I'm just. Oh, gonna what's the right window? On the what's like the entry window? Forty forty two to forty two, like right? Getting more Huge. narrow. Yeah. Oh, so I know there's getting like more narrow closer. as it like because yeah. it gets closer, and so they mm. they keep evaluating it and looking at like crash times or whatever. Um, yeah, New York. Honestly, New York I don't think any of us have anything to. <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> Noah, no! Over, no. Just over here, like, four blocks away, like, yeah. <laughs> very small piece of debris. It was a very small piece of debris. It went right through my window, just headshot. <laughs> this is so neither here nor there. I, there's a podcast um, that I just listened to about a woman who got hit by a piece of, like, a space shuttle. And it was, Whoa. like, it was an inch big, and it, like, bruised her badly in the leg and she like brought it to the government she went to like a nearby military base and they're like we don't know what that is excuse and me they, yeah <laughs> I, believe I believe this belongs to you literally yeah 
But so like some professor got wind of it and tested it. And he was like, yeah, this is like the stuff that they put in the insulation of, of a spaceship. And so they got in contact with NASA and they were like, yep, that, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, that's where I mean, it Like wow. that sucks. But at the same time, because you didn't die or get seriously injured, like how cool is it that you got hit with part of a spaceship? <laughs> yeah. Like, come Sick. on. That's and then if you really had like cool. a little scar after, you'd be like, want to know how I got this scar? <laughs> And actually have, like, an interesting answer to that question? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just, like, I was shaving my leg and then I dropped my razor. Yeah. I got hit by the Scarship Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so sharks are really cool, and we shouldn't let our fear of them get in the way of the respect that we should have for them and their environment, because they're really Absolutely. important. Absolutely. As we are learning through shark denticles and (laughs) more information. So uh, it's okay to be afraid of sharks if you are afraid of them, but they're not out to get you and they're super cool. So let's just (laughs) share the love that we have for the ocean and extend it to sharks as well. Absolutely. Nice. Also, I want to make one joke. It's not going to go anywhere, but I just, I've been sitting on it. Good. We should always end on these jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't see the race with Michael Phelps and the great white shark, but if I had to place a bet, it would be the shark would win by the skin of its teeth. Oh, oh the teeth oh, of its skin. I love oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was wonderful. That made my day. <laughs> oh, yay. That was so good. All right, so we have reached our quiz. So uh, today's quiz is going to be loosely based around a cultural history of teeth. So focusing on how we as humans have taken care of, celebrated, feared, obsessed over, and just generally (laughs) considered our teeth over the years, across civilizations, etc. So, uh, (laughs) on a side note, in researching facts for this quiz... Um, I found my Google searches just thoroughly inundated by dentist's <laughs> office and dental associations and even like it's toothpaste so companies um, because they were just all absolute treasure troves of tooth facts. Like that is apparently yes. just a feature on every dentist website of just like, here is a history of <laughs> so teeth. So true. <laughs> it was I insane. had exactly the same problem. I had exactly it's the so same problem. Odd. We, we. Uh, like Rob, you know, he's a bone scientist and he knew he was going to do his like tooth bone beef, like you know, <laughs> going in, you know, Jada had her shark teeth related fact that we built this theme around, but I was just sitting out here like trying to find a tooth fact and it is so hard because they like all the Google results are just completely saturated with like random dentists blogs. Yeah. I have never <laughs> in all of my fact searching years seen anything like it. Yeah. So- <laughs> for dentistry can i just say maybe this won't hit the way i think it will but like rob's uh bone tooth beef (laughs) can it be considered bone wars (laughs) oh yeah here we go bone wars part two oh part two part two Thank you for helping me get yes. there. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I think I think the only reason it'll it will never reach that level is because the only people on the other side are literally like elementary school kids. 
Like, there's, there's no scientist who's like, bones and teeth are the same. It's just children. Come on, so, you can take them. The perfect adversary. Well, <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, we should probably do the quiz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll get you. No, I'm ready for uh, this quiz. I don't think I'm going to do yes. well because, as we established earlier, like, I clearly don't know enough about, like, teeth. Oh, we're, we're a team. But this is a, we are a collective, a Leah team. Totally. Also, on a side note, to whomever the copywriters, or honestly, my hypothesis is that it's just one copywriter with a very specific niche, uh, but to all the potential copywriters uh, who just fill in all of this dentistry trivia on websites. Uh, filling? Filling. Yes, there we go. <laughs> we see you. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call Absolutely. us up because I'm very curious about who you are. There's a story there. <laughs> all right. Onto the quiz. Question one. What type of human remains are often disproportionately present at archaeological sites and can tell you about the diets, migration patterns, and health of their former owners? <laughs> I am very scared of this question. <laughs> Wait. I, why? Okay, I think I know why. I, so I think that it's not just teeth. I think it's baby teeth. Interesting. I mean... I was looking for just teeth. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. I was going to so, say yeah, just was... teeth, too, but I was like, I'm assuming I mean... this is a trick of some sort. There's going to be a twist in there. Okay. Yeah. Right. Is... So... I really I really thought this was going to be a big trick. We were going to be like, well, I mean, it's teeth, right? Because we've all learned a lot about teeth tonight. Uh, and so. And it's like, okay. And you're just like, psych. <laughs> so I feel like, so in my mind, this was going to be the kind of like orienting us to the theme like yeah. question. I'm just <laughs> like, duh, of course it's teeth. But then your fact is like, basically, no, like went into most of what I have for the spiel for this. So now I think like, we talked so much about this topic that I became suspicious. So that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, tell us. Sure. So um, I learned a little bit about this uh, in a great article by Lorraine Bossineau over at Smithsonian Mag, um, summarizing how teeth are used in archaeological discovery and also the vast array of information that we can glean from them. So Noah, you know, talked a lot about this and actually Rob did as well um, to some extent, but teeth last a long time compared to other tissues in our bodies. And I didn't say bones. I had to stop myself. <laughs> from saying compared to other bones. <laughs> so I'm internalizing this knowledge. Progress is being made. Nice. Um, but that's because of their high mineral content uh, and their strength as a consequence of that. Um, so it's not uncommon to find like way more teeth than what you'd expect based on like the number of skulls present at a dig site. Like There are just teeth everywhere. Um, and what's more, studying ancient teeth can yield a really cool wealth of information. So, for example, um, analysis of the teeth from Lucy, homonym fossil of bipedal fame, uh, reveals a change in diet in her generation um, of hominins from fruits and tree buds to crunchier fare, like seeds and nuts, mm. due to her thicker enamel comparatively mm. on her teeth um scientists have even been able to glean migration events from sequencing and this was crazy to me sequencing bacterial dna in fossilized yeah. plaque yeah Ooh. that was they, that happened, they did that. that at um they did that in uh, um in pompeii i oh. think oh. at like vesuvius they like people they had very nice teeth that's like something i i mentioned uh, in the string of 
different, you know, dead people who had nice teeth. But with lots but of plaque? The, hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. basically they so they had good uh, <laughs> so basically the the right, the arrangement of their teeth was really nice, but they did right. have they had plaque and they used like sort of the chemical makeup of the plaque basically to um deduce certain things about what they ate or like whether or not gingivitis was a, a problem in their community and like all those things give you really interesting little vignettes into what life was like at that time. Yeah. The yeah, absolutely. Weirdest thing I've ever heard. How like that makes perfect sense, but like never in a million years would my mind have ever thought to make that connection. Yeah, right? I mean it's yeah. very cool. The Norse good luck tradition of wearing baby teeth uh, into battle is thought to be the root of what modern day childhood mascot? Oh. A tooth fairy. Yeah, that's so gross um <laughs> i'm so sorry no disrespect that makes me so uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fair that's fair um the truth yeah fairy. so um uh the so i know a little bit about this from like trying to like look up facts and then like choosing different ones yeah um and that the so i don't i didn't know about the wearing them into battle thing but i did read that in like sort of like among vikings like uh they would pay they would give money to children in order like to buy their baby teeth off off of them which is like one of the potential sort of influences for the tooth fairy um yeah. But I also read about how the amount of money that kids in the U.S. get from the, to- the quote-unquote tooth fairy has dramatically yeah. increased yeah. Uh, well kids above inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I read, I read a, like a Planet Money article and I, like, a, like a bunch of different like uh, people who interviewed like former Fed, you know, it's like vice chairman about like what it means. That basically, it was, it was sort of a this narrative uh, history of a uh, like a Fed meeting where one of the people had a child who had just had like a tooth fall out. And they were talking about the inflation relationship between uh, the amount of money they were supposed to give. And it came up with some like really interesting ideas about like, even though the amount of money children get for a lost baby tooth is greater than the amount like wages has gone up. Some of the hypotheses are that like if wages go up, but like food doesn't go up, the amount of, you know, money you spend on like essentials, like food doesn't stay the same, but if you have more dispensable income, your like amount you're willing to spend on like a child having like a really fun childhood could go up with basically no sort of limit. Um, and so there, I read a bunch of articles by economists trying to rationalize like the amount of money that uh, people were giving to their kids from like the quote unquote tooth fairy um, going up. I think it was like 10 times above inflation. Um, and I wanted to point out that the average amount of money left by the tooth fairy in 1900 was 12 cents in 1950, 25 cents in 1988, it was $1. And according to Delta dentals tooth fairy poll, which is a long term uh, like nationally representative poll of the amount of money parents are giving kids in these mm-hmm. situations uh 2013 that the amount was three dollars and 51 cents and now it is much closer to five dollars oh although uh over the last i think like 2019 to 2020 was the first time it's ever gone down and then went down again so two years in a row um so it may be decreasing i feel like it's a quality of life like metric basically it it yeah. so it, it uh very very strongly correlates with the s p 500 <laughs> isn't that interesting oh, wow. <laughs> but i also find it ridiculous that right like roughly now 
the average sort of amount you get per tooth is like on average is five dollars. That's that is ridiculous. Ludicrous. That's nuts. I yeah. got I got a quarter. Yeah. yeah. I was on the nineteen fifty pay scale. I yeah. never got more than a dollar. And I also lost my last tooth when I was like fourteen or fifteen. So like it was very quickly I think I got money for like my first like five or six teeth. And then after that my parents are like, you know this is bullshit, right? And like yeah. we're not it's giving like, you money for this anymore. Like you lost a tooth. Wow, that's happened six times already. Like it's not special anymore. Let's move right. on. I- so it honestly, it makes me think of like how, um, so my grandparents, this is, I've never said this out loud to anyone, but my grandparents used to give me a quarter for every friend that I made on the first day of school. <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly, like, I didn't, I, I thought of that immediately when we were talking about like, the, when I was reading about the, the tooth fairy earlier and literally the, the, I, I was thinking about that, like, oh, this fun thing that my, my grandparents did. Cause they were like trying to, and it was like. Wait a minute! Did they do that because I didn't have any friends? Like that is simultaneously the purest wow. and saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Honestly, hey, you know, joke all you want, but uh, Jada, that's another twenty-five cents for me for having you on the podcast. Hey, <laughs> but weirdly, money, money, money. The amount that grandparents pay kids per friend has stayed very static for the last hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, I've heard of relationships being transactional, but like that is another <laughs> another level. <laughs> my mom, my mom did have to pay my grandparents to hang out with me, so <laughs> it was they were getting it all back. There you oh go. <laughs> um, oh yes, but a little bit about sort of like yeah, the history and like sort of the the mythology of the tooth fairy. Um, so yes, no, you were talking about kind of like what was called the ten fay or like tooth fee. Ten fay, um, yeah. Which, yeah, which was given to kids, um, like, you know, in Norse culture when they lost their first tooth. Um, And then all of this is also written about, like, in the Edas, which is, like, the collection of Icelandic literature that gives us most of what we know um, about Norse culture. Warriors also believed that children's teeth brought good luck on the battlefield, so they would hang their children's teeth as a necklace uh, around their necks when they went into battle. Um, but another root of tooth fairy traditions, uh, which exists across multiple cultures, by the way, um, has to do with a superstition that was prevalent during the Middle Ages, um, that basically sort of like improper disposal of baby teeth would result in the children, like as adults, presumably, hopefully, uh, spending their afterlives, so after they die, um, looking for those baby teeth. Why? Right. Who knows? You would think they had better things to do, but I guess if they weren't disposed of, then they'd be like, I guess I got to find these teeth forever now. Thanks. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, or uh, being susceptible to cursing by witches if the witches right. got a hold of those teeth. So uh, baby teeth were actually collected and burned or swallowed by moms. Ew. Uh, or left out, <laughs> yeah, as a snack for rats. Um, and it's that last one that again i was trying to like muddle my way through a bunch of dentist office sources which i don't really regard as the most credible apologies but uh i suspect at least that last part might contribute to uh european versions of the tooth fairy because they're notably very rodent centric um mm. so spanish and hispanic cultures have uh, ratoncito perez who collects teeth that have been put under a pillow and replaces those teeth with a gift like same things the tooth fairy except it's a giant rat so 
notable difference. Um, the Italians have Topolino, which in that case at least is a small mouse, so like a little bit cuter and not as <laughs> freaky. Um, and in France, they have Le Bon Petit Souris. Maybe that's how you say that. Souris. Souris. Um, I don't know. But again, <laughs> same idea. Just a little the mouse. The good small mouse. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, Le Bon Petit Souris. Yeah. But uh, my, I will say I much prefer the tradition um, in Asian countries like China, Japan, India, and others, where rather than the whole like fairy and the pillow and the gifts, um, they actually toss baby teeth onto the roof of their house or like onto the floor or ground based on which jaw the teeth came from, which just oh, sounds like yeah. way more fun and does not Very require cool. any, you know, any exchange of money, which Further I think is better thought. for children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel this is just all of this talk about like what different cultures do with baby teeth is just making me think like, why do we have this obsession with our baby <laughs> teeth? Like, where did that come from? Where typically it's, I don't know. I feel like it's, it would be pretty normal if we all were just like, Oh, this thing fell out of my face because a new one's growing in. All right. Anyway, next move on with my yeah. life. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to throw it on the roof or the ground or a giant rat's going to come take it. And it's going to give me money. And I'm like, there's, it's just such a weird concept to me. <laughs> we like revolve so much of our childhood around what happens to our teeth after it falls out of our face. I don't know. Maybe this is me just like having a mini existential crisis, but like, <laughs> it's so weird to me. I feel like the modern version is going to be like, you take the baby tooth and you like imprint it and you then like mine a Dogecoin and like, and then you're, that's it. <laughs> 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 the, the, baby, the baby teeth become uh, non-fungible tokens <laughs> oh my god no it's like a super special no. token that you can use at like Chuck E. Cheese oh yeah why don't we do oh, that congrats you can pick any prize you want with your tooth token bam wow that's, that's such a great idea I'm, I just yeah. became a millionaire Anyway. Oh, and yeah. Chuck E. Cheese is a rat. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> oh, wow. Full circle. Wow. No. Oh, no. Oh, that made Why it... isn't this already happening? Made it worse. Oh, and and this is just, just to finish this out, just uh, in case anyone didn't know, this is his fax machine. Uh, we are providing you all the trivia you can handle and more. Um, do you know what Chuck E. Cheese's full name is? Charles Entertainment Cheese. That's right. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> entertainment. Charles, the E stands for Entertainment Cheese. I hate it so much. I forgot. <laughs> All right. Question three. Over the centuries, what archetypal dream theme has been associated with payment of debts, the impending death of a family member, or masturbation? Because why not? <laughs> Well, I, I think I knew it, but now I don't want to answer. <laughs> it's too close to home. <laughs> Is it teeth falling out or like teeth, you know, sort of not being there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So teeth dreams, or as they're abbreviated in psychology, TD, because they are that much of a common universal thing, um, mm. includes sort of the scope of like dreams of teeth falling out. Scope, like teeth. the mouthwash. Ha. Great. <laughs> Oral B plus. Uh, or 
or teeth rotting or breaking um, are among the most universal dream themes, as they're called, Um, which is weird because they generally don't reflect upon like current or past waking life experiences in that like way more people dream of all their teeth falling out than people who actually have all their teeth fall out. So in terms of like the origins Mm -hmm. of these dreams psychologically, we don't really understand it very well. Um, But because of this mystery and how frequently these dreams happen, over the ages, there have been all sorts of hypotheses about where they come from. Um, So, for example, Artemidorus, the ancient Greek diviner um, or interpreter of dreams, suggested an association between losing teeth in a dream and paying debts, which kind of makes sense. You know, you're like losing them and then maybe, I don't know, giving them to someone uh, in exchange for toys from Chuck E. Cheese. Um, the Jewish Talmud uh, introduced the belief that these dreams were prophetic of someone in your family dying soon. Um, and that belief, belief actually like persisted um, beyond that. And then Freud. It's, all, of it's always course. eventually right. True. <laughs> you just don't know when. Um, and then Freud, of course, related teeth dreams to sexual stuff because he's really got a one track mind in that way, uh, like masturbation and castration. Um, and like Jung posited it that in women it relates to childbirth. So like all sorts of just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, my advice <laughs> is to just not read into it too much because <laughs> we don't know. Question four, which beetle whose solo career hits sound similar to Gimme Some Tooth, Mouther, and K9 Dream <laughs> gifted a tooth to his former housekeeper's daughter. This is maybe one of my I know this one. Ever. I, I don't know, I know, I this don't know one. the names of all the Beatles. Well, Sorry. look, we're not going to make you feel bad about that because I know the answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is, I think it's John Lennon. Yes. <laughs> um, and that, and John Lennon gifted a, I think it was like a molar to a to his housekeeper, who then, you know, down the line, it was auctioned for I think about thirty thousand dollars. Yes. Which makes it the second most valuable tooth ever sold after Isaac Newton's tooth, <laughs> which was set in a ring and auctioned. Uh, it was set in a ring and auctioned uh, sometime in the 1800s. I can't quite late 1800s, um, and for like like 3,500 pounds, I guess. But with inflation adjusted and switched currency, is actually more than John Lennon's tooth. Um, so wow. Isaac Newton's tooth it remains the most valuable tooth ever sold at auction. I am once and again asking, gross. what yeah. is up with our obsession with teeth? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, was it like a baby tooth, or was it like his? grown adult molar yeah so i saw i saw a picture of the ring which i also read has been now been lost like we don't know where it is um but uh it it looked like an adult tooth i can't i can't be sure oh for newton yeah yeah and for john lennon it was the same thing so yeah it was a molar that he had like extracted when he was like I mean, already in the Beatles, but like, you know, a fairly young man. Um, and he gave it to his former housekeeper, Dot Jarlett, uh, sometime between 1964 and 1968, uh, suggesting to her that she hang on to it for her daughter, who was a Beatles fan. I assume a really intense Beatles fan. Um, and then, yep, as Noah mentioned in 2011, it sold at auction for about $31,000 to a Canadian dentist who I'd imagine must rank Give Teeth a Chance somewhere highly in his choice of dental catchphrases. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, speaking of the songs, yeah, the ones I referenced were Give Me Some Truth, Mother, and Number Nine Dream. Nicely done. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, well done. Good beats. Question five. 
What feature associated with sexuality, lust, and a Chaucerian wife of Bath is medically called a diastema? Diastema? What? <laughs> what I... Um, no, I don't know. What thoughts? Guys <laughs> never it has to do with teeth, right? So, okay. Like, okay, it's a teeth quiz. You got that. It has to do with so, lust and the wife of Bath in the Canterbury Tales. Yes. Is it gap tooth? The gap in the tooth? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So yes, in Canterbury Tales, the wife of Bath's tale, uh, the woman the main the wife of bath uh was a gap-toothed old woman mm-hmm. um who like tricks a knight to marrying her and then turns beautiful because like you know whatever whatever another man getting a thing he didn't deserve <laughs> yeah um but uh earlier in the story it's re- mentioned that she has a gap tooth and that's meant to be a sort of cheeky <laughs> outward <laughs> manifestation of her kind of like lustful uh sort of nature um and the association of gap teeth particularly between the two front teeth with sexuality it was a connotation like in medieval times um but interestingly it had a much different connotation in napoleonic france so hmm. in French, gap teeth are called dents de bonheur, um, or like lucky or happy teeth, because when huh. soldiers were being selected and drafted to Napoleon's army, their incisors were checked and had to be perfect um, because they needed to use them to open paper cartridges with gunpowder for their muskets. Oh. So if you had a gap in your teeth, you were lucky you didn't get drafted. Wow. wow. And they're still called that in French yeah, mm. to this day. All right. Question six. Eddie Klein, whose past clients include Flavor Flav, Outkast, and Lil Jon, is credited with popularizing what type of jewelry in the 80s in New York City? Well, I gotta say grill. That's the only type of tooth jewelry I can think of. And if there's something else out there, then I, I'm, I don't know what I'm missing, but. <laughs> there's also those Halloween vampire teeth that you put in, which is a very cheap form of tooth jewelry, I would say. I mean, True. that's fair. I'm, I'm here for that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I've seen them with rhinestones on it. Can add them canines yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put the canines back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Um, but yeah, re- grills so they are of course dental jewelry worn over the teeth um and they grew in popularity among nyc hip-hop artists in the early 1980s and have since of course taken over the world um so eddie klein the founder of eddie's gold teeth made gold caps and custom like crazy elaborate grills for all sorts of big name hip-hop artists like the ones i mentioned among others um Per Guinness World Records, the most valuable grill made thus far cost $1 million. Um, it involved wow. multiple diamonds and precious gemstones, and it was worn by Katy Perry in the music video for Dark Horse. So, question seven. <sighs> Friend of the pod, Pliny the Elder. We go way back. Yep. <laughs> in his infamous natural history, recommends boiled dogfish brains... Stingrays and pickled frog juice as cures for what? I just want to say, first of all, I'm so sorry, Jada. Those are uh, a lot of shark and skate related animals. And I'm very sorry that Emily would so callously suggest boiling them. I'm a little bitter at the uh, elasma brink used for remedy type of. I mean, do what you gotta do, I guess. Um, I am unsure of the answer to this question. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, again, just on theme, the only the only tooth maladies that I can think of are generally a toothache. 
I mm-hmm. was going to say a toothache or like a cavity. Yeah, when you get to that time of day, you know. Uh, Basically, anything with... <laughs> I was waiting for that joke to come up at some point during the episode. It had to, it it had to. to today. It had to. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like any time Pliny the Elder or like Galen or any sort of like ancient person interested in medicine comes up, they're basically just playing like a Mad Lib of like insane animals to say like, okay, we're going to take the, okay, give me a random animal. Okay, pig, um, give me a random part of the body. Penis? Okay, we're going to take the penis of the pig and we're going to, uh, what's a weird thing to do with a pig's penis? Uh, ru- like throw it around our head really fast. And that cures okay. erectile dysfunction. And no, Exactly. <laughs> that cures- erectile dysfunction quote. would be an unusually related thing yeah. for the penis to cure. That cures indigestion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you guys were right in the money with toothache. Um, so yeah, Pliny's dental advice has a consistent theme at least, which is basically like scraping your gums or teeth with bones and then swishing around some kind of like stinky, briny fish juice. Um, so like, okay, it's like a topical treatment of sorts on the teeth. Admittedly, uh, I only had a limited preview of natural history, so I wasn't able to keep reading, but I'd imagine the next chapter is a cure for terrible breath. but uh i will say he was really caught up on using frogs in particular for like loose or damaged teeth so to give a few examples of like his frog-based remedies that he recommended and heard about um boiling frogs in vinegar and rinsing with the juice hanging several frogs by their hind legs um Eating frogs with broth, tying frogs uh, on people's jaws as an amulet, <laughs> just like walking around with a frog tied to your face, um, and boiling the hearts of 46 frogs, don't get the number wrong, uh, under a copper vessel in one sextarius of old oil to be poured into the ear on the side of the aching jaw. That one is a direct quote. So, oh, these yeah. poor frogs. Oh, my God. I- Forty six for yeah. one now, messed up jaw, like bro, that's a lot of frogs. <laughs> is it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? But now this to me was even crazier. And Rob, please chime in if this rings any kind of bells for you. The whole like connection between frogs and toothache remedies is not exclusive to Pliny. It apparently uh, is also an Irish thing. So oh, really? a study through Dublin City University looking at Irish folkloric remedies in the 19th and 20th centuries included various frog-related dental care techniques, uh, namely putting a frog in the patient's mouth for a few minutes, huh. um, along with like various quasi-religious stipulations. Um, so one of the sort of like sources they included uh, mentioned that frogs must screech um, invariably three or nine times. Um, or that its leg or back must be licked. Um, or you have to use the frog to make the sign of the cross on mm. the affected tooth. Um, <laughs> or uh, the idea, like, in terms of the frog in the mouth, was that the pain would be transferred from the person to the animal. Um, and from the paper, this was explicitly stated by an informant. The words, frog, frog, take the sting of the toothache, were uttered while the frog was put in the patient's mouth. Mm. It was not clarified whether the patient was meant to utter this while the frog was in their mouth. <laughs> but I have to wonder. Um, in fairness, this paper also included some pretty regular cures for tooth issues, including like a salt and water rinse. Cool. Mm. Um, carrying a potato in one's pocket to ward off toothache. And I imagine that just carrying potatoes is like a normal good luck just, practice. Just the thing people did, yeah. Right? I thought so. 
Um, which to me spurred a mental image of the scenario of just someone passing by being like, is that a potato in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Oh God. But then a lack of response because there was a frog in the person's mouth. And so they couldn't actually give an answer to that question. I would just assume that the patient is the one that has to utter that phrase because that seems really on brand for dentistry, just like making you talk while there's <laughs> yes. something in your mouth. Exactly. <laughs> for so sure. how was your day today? I'm like, I can't answer this because there's five feet of your arm down my mouth right now. Like, I don't, what do you mean? <laughs> Are we sure that was a, an accredited dentist? <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes I exaggerate like, way too their much. Their hands are supposed to go in your mouth, not their feet. There's something wrong with that. <laughs> the, the dentist, to be fair, the dentist dropped the tooth and then had to go down to get it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it down. that was one of my canines. Like... That's how we got it back. <laughs> Sent a frog in after it. <laughs> yep. With spelunking. Yep. Oh, my God. Love that. Well, honestly, even reading through the Pliny stuff, I had kind of a flashback to last time we had Moya on, where she mm. was discussing how mm. sort of like magical rituals from folklore are so complicated to make it impossible to ever get them completely right. So that if the spell doesn't work or produce results, you can be like, oh, you must have like dropped uh, the stone right. into the pond like when one sunbeam was on it instead angle. of two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I'm like, a lot of these are impossible. So I wonder if it was just kind of like, well, we just you know, chomped on some frogs for no reason, but not in quite the right way. That's why your tooth still hurts, but still pay me for my very valuable medical advice. Love that. Question eight. What innate human behavior is thought to have evolved from the way our ancestors communicated social status and dominance? Laughing? Oh, is it close? I was thinking maybe baring your teeth. Yeah, is it like smiling? Laughing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That makes sense. I don't know why that didn't come to mind. Yeah. So this one, I, I had a difficult time. I mean, I think just the, well, the consensus is that, of course, first of all, it's impossible to be like, why did this behavior evolve and actually have a conclusive answer? Um, right. But also, yeah, there are some varying hypotheses. But generally, primates bare their teeth, like as a display of aggression or when they're afraid or cornered, like basically, you know, they curl their lips back and tighten all the muscles in their face and go, rawr. Um but it's been noted very, very over... the shining energy there, I think. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's been noted over evolution that higher primates um, evolved to show their teeth to indicate submission to like a more dominant member of their species or their community. So the idea being like, Ooh. look, I'm showing you my teeth in this kind of chiller way. Please don't hurt me. Like, we're cool, right? Um <laughs> And although, like I said, it's impossible to ever know this with certainty, um, we think that the evolution of smiling in humans may have followed like a similar track. Um, though in us, of course, it's more complex because we have different kinds of smiles um, and real smiles and fake smiles. Um, so note on real smiles, uh, these are referred to scientifically as Duchenne's smiles after the French mm -hmm. neurologist Guillaume Duchenne, uh, who made various scientific observations regarding smiling as part of his experiments applying electricity to people's faces um, and seeing what right. the muscles did, which is pretty fun. Um, Which kind of makes me think he doesn't know what smiles look like. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a smile. If I just poke right there, I feel yeah, like that's totally. Like Ow! Door <laughs> smile. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. honestly. Um, so for a Duchenne smile, basically uh, by that metric, what makes a smile real is the smize. So, so basically, mm. engaging the muscles at the corners of your eyes or the or the 
orbicularis oculi muscles, as they're called. Um, and admittedly, the kind of funny thing about this is for a long time, like sort of engaging your eyes along with your zygomatic or like jaw muscles and smiling was kind of the indicator of like a real genuine smile versus a fake, like, or as they're called, I've seen Pan Am uh, or Botox smile, which is kind of funny and makes a lot of sense. Um, but I feel like over the pandemic, you know, we've people have been honing their smizing skills. So I feel like we're going to emerge from this, just never knowing again if anyone is smiling genuinely because we've gotten so used to smiling with our eyes as well. So interesting. Brave new world. Um, but I will say real or fake, we do know that smiles are innately human because even congenitally blind infants do it. So they're not learning it by example because they can't see any adults smiling around them. Um, and in response to the same happy cues as sighted people. And I think mm. that's something to smile about. Yay. With our, our nicely brushed and flossed teeth, which I honestly am immediately going to do as soon as we're done. Yeah. It's all I've been thinking about for the past really scared hour. Me. I'm like, my precious enamel. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and thank you so much to Jada, our awesome shark-loving, fact-sharing guest of honor. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. (laughs) 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 Is there anything that you'd like to direct our listeners to or turn folks' attention to regarding all the awesome stuff you have going on? Yeah, so if you guys are interested in following my journey through science or looking at some of my science communication stuff, um, you can follow me at Sophistication on Twitter and TikTok and sophistication (laughs) underscore on Instagram because sophistication was already taken on Instagram, but it's fine. Oh no. Um, (laughs) And then for (laughs) Miss, if you'd like to keep following our mission and support us, you can take a look at our website, misselasmo.org and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at miss underscore Elasmo. So yeah, that's what I got. Fantastic. Um, And if you'd like to peruse more content from Fax Machine, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fax Machine Pod and on Facebook at Fax Machine Podcast. And also we're individually on social media. Um, I'm at underscore E.M. Costa. Rob? At SweaterVest SCI. And Noah? At Arcs and Sciences. Fax Machine is produced by Rob Frawley, Noah Guyberson, and Emily Costa, with editing by Noah Guyberson. The theme music is by AC Antonelli, and our logo was designed by Mike Zola. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time. Bye! Bye! Bye.